Before Paul begins this morning, he's asked me to read a passage of scripture from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Good morning. For those of you who are guests this morning, I am not the normal preacher. I am not Toby Levering. My name is Paul Harrington, and I am thankful to be sharing God's word with you this morning. A week ago today, I was just coming out of the the throes of of recovering from COVID. My eggs this morning taste a little bit like smoky barbecue, which is very odd. Um, It's not entirely bad, though. Um, But COVID was a new experience for me. I gave it one star. I do not recommend. Um, I didn't initially recognize that I had COVID. It got me to thinking over the few weeks. There's there's a lot of things that we don't recognize in life. Sometimes we don't recognize things. We just don't know their purpose. They're strange to me. Um, have you ever come across something in the wild, in the, in the world today that you don't recognize? Maybe it's something brand new, a new thing you've never seen before. Maybe it's so strange you, you can't figure out its purpose. Or maybe it's just so old you can't imagine what people used to use it for. So I remember as a young man, the uh, first time I saw this item. Now some of you I'm sure know exactly what this is. But as a young man of seven years old in my grandfather's office, uh, I thought it was part of an elaborate costume maybe. Maybe some kind of ancient binoculars. Maybe it was George Washington's swimming goggles. Um, Raise your hand if you know what one of these is. Some of the more experienced people in the congregation have seen these, right? Um, What this is, you see, this is part of what's called a stereoscope. You slide these little double images into the holder. When you looked at it, you could actually see the image in 3D. Can you believe this was invented in 1832 by Sir Charles Wheatstone? That's 191 years ago. They made these 3D images. I think that's, that's pretty cool. Now, I could have taped it to my face and ran around the house pretending it was a costume. I could have jumped in the, in the pool with it like a pair of goggles, and I would have totally ruined this, this device. To never know how to use something or use it for its true purpose robs it of the wonder that the inventor purposed it for. And I never would have seen how amazing it could have been. When my grandfather showed me how to correctly use it, and he gave me the little slides, I was blown away by this thing. So for fun, I put together three pictures this morning to see if you can guess what these things are. I want to just get your guys' mind thinking about purposes. I showed them my kids, and they couldn't get any of them right off the bat. And I'll show you the item, and then I'll show you what it does. And you raise your hand if you knew what it did. So the first one here, I admit I'm cheating a little bit here. So this is, this is so broken down, it's hard to tell what it was. My, guess best, my best guess when I first saw this item was I thought, well, that looks like I don't like a typewriter. Um, one of my kids said it looked like an old keyboard, and but being a man who owns a number of typewriters like his grandfather before him, I knew that the layout of the letters was not correct. We still use the QWERTY keyboard today. So what it turns out this is, is an old tabletop jukebox. How many of you guys have used one of these? Right? You can still find a few of these around rarely in American diners around the country, um, and these, once again, is another really cool invention. Now, here's an odd one. I don't think I would have ever got this one. What it, what it most reminded me of um, was I have one of those old tractor-style sprinklers. You plug in and put the ho- on the hose, and it, as it spins, it, these little wheels turn and move it around your yard. I, this looked like a wheel from one of those sprinklers. Um, the, uh, 
my kids guessed it was some kind of a juicer, which I thought that's interesting, maybe an apple cutter, and Hannah thought it would be great for sandcastle design. So what it turns out this is actually used for is it's a rebar holder. So when you set a rebar cage and you're building a pillar or columns, you want to separate that, that rebar from the edge of the form. And so they set these wheels, and it keeps them separate, and, and so the rebar stays in the center of the pillar. It's pretty interesting, right? And the last one, I have to warn you, very few people have ever seen this before. In my family, I had guesses of cow theme park ride, uh, maybe the first milkshake machine ever invented, uh, a cow treadmill, and I kind of thought it looked like a cow spaceship simulator. You just get that cow, the feeling of flight, right? But maybe some of you farmers had seen this before. I had not. This is similar to what, what they would call a livestock crush. And so they would, ha- would hold an animal in place to treat the animal. This is actually to rotate a cow or calf for surgery. So I'll bet none of you knew that one. Has anyone seen this before? No? Okay, good. All right. Um, now, all these objects, strange objects aside, I started the, with these images to get us to think about how everything created has a purpose. Everything made by a designer was made for a design. And what that means is that you and I were created for a purpose. A lot of people go through their whole life trying to find their purpose. I googled what the purpose of life was on the internet. It's, it's really, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions about what the purpose of life is. I believe our purpose is very deep, but very simple. And I think it's outlined in the Bible. I want to go to 1 Peter for the first of our purposes. Now, Peter wrote this letter to the churches in Asia Minor, what would be considered Turkey today. And he writes from what he calls Babylon, or what scholars think he means, that he's in a place of great wickedness, a place like Babylon, but actually the city of Rome. It's filled with people who worship false gods, and a place of persecution for Christians. You see, Peter knew what it was like to walk with Jesus. He knew what it was like to spend time trying to fulfill God's purpose in a hostile world. Peter had some of these struggles himself. And Peter is talking primarily in the book of 1 Peter to Gentile Christians, which is what we are. If you are not a Jew, then you are a Gentile by definition. And Peter draws out this analogy. He talks about that we are living stones in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're being built into a new spiritual house. And like a new temple, it has a purpose. And we have this purpose. So let's read in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why are we here? Number one, we are here to glorify God. What Christ has done for us, for the world, for the people around us, He is worthy of praise. One of the primary reasons we were created was to bring glory to God's name. It's so simple and yet so deep. King David understood this. We see him over and over again. There's something about David I love. It was like he couldn't help but praise God. He just welled up inside of him. And the Psalms over and over again, his songs talked about that. In Psalms 150, he says, praise the Lord. I I I could have heard this in a song format. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. 
Praise him with the strings and pipe, or with timbrel and dancing, and praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The God we serve, the one who created us, is worthy of all honor and glory and praise. And we're created, as Peter puts it, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So how do we do this? What does it look like? When we get a promotion, when you win a race in school, when you bake an amazing batch of cookies, when you see a sunset, when you take a deep, clear breath after a long sickness, do we praise God? Do we give glory to Him? Do you say it out loud? Do you tell your children? Do you say, God is so good, smell these cookies? Do you tell our coworkers, thank the Lord for this promotion? I couldn't have done it without everything he has done for me and how he has blessed me. Do we text our friends when God gives us victory over the sin in our lives? Do we tell our friends that we are at peace in our hearts when they can see we're in the midst of a storm? Because we are wrapped in the grace of our creator. If not, why not? Do we not know that this is why we were created? One reason I think we don't do this or are afraid to do this is because of this truth. The unstoppable desire to share God's glory comes from joy, which is based on confidence, which is based on your knowledge of and relationship with the Creator. Think of David. Think about the welling up inside him. When he had that unstoppable desire to, to praise and glorify God, it came from joy, which was based on his confidence because of his knowledge of and his relationship with his Creator. If we, know, if we know who God is in relationship to us, if we know what he did for us, if we rely daily on his grace to sustain us, then we have the confidence in this life. The confidence we can have is amazing. The confidence of being held in the hand of a creator. As the hymn says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. That kind of confidence inside of us, when we understand who we are and what God has done for us, it should well up in a deep-seated joy inside of us. And that joy should overflow to the point, and it will overflow to the point, we can't help but tell people about how amazing God is. If we don't have this joy, if you don't have this joy, maybe we haven't taken the time to truly internalize what God did for us. Maybe we need to spend some time away from the world, away from the distractions, away from the binge-watching of TV and to spend time in His Word. Maybe we need to fill ourselves up with the truth of who we are in relationship to the Creator. And maybe we need to build a relationship with the God of John 3.16, the God who loved us so much that He sent His only Son, who was also God, to die for us. We recognize this. When we live in this, when we dwell in this, it becomes a light inside of us. It's not a light. It's not our own light. It doesn't generate from inside of us because of ourselves. It is a reflection of Jesus, the one who has overcome the world shining through us. Like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that you are the light of the world. A town on a, built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Both in word and in deed, 
We were created to glorify God. That's purpose number one. That brings us to our second purpose given by Jesus to the apostles right before his ascension. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Directly from the mouth of Jesus. Our second purpose. Once you have enough knowledge of the truth to obey God and become his disciple, we are here to tell people about Jesus. Once again, it's simple and it's deep. We're here to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into light. Can you see that these two purposes are really one purpose? Telling people about Christ glorifies God. I have to give a shout out as well to Brother Gary Brown. Two weeks ago, Gary gave an excellent sermon on this topic. If you, if you missed it, I highly recommend you go back and watch the recording uh, on YouTube. He referenced 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He did a great job explaining that the power of God, the all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves, talking about we hold this power in jars of clay. And I want to touch on that same scripture. I love the way that Paul says it in his letter to the church in Corinth in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We share the simple message of Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected to a lost and dying world. Our, pa- our task is not to package it in fancy arguments. Our task is not even to convince people. Our purpose is to spread what Paul calls in chapter 5 the ministry of reconciliation. Our goal is to tell people of God's desire to be reconciled to them, to, to tell them, just tell them the story of Jesus and let the Spirit of God move them. Isn't it so freeing? It's so freeing. We don't have to convert people. We don't have to convince them. We just tell them about God, and then they have to make a choice. And God's Spirit does His work. Their salvation is not based on you. It's not based on your words or your arguments, but on the grace of God. And that frees us to boldly tell other people. I think we can make this really hard. Telling people about Christ, we make it very difficult. But I think it can be so easy. So I want to encourage you all with three simple stories of people sharing the gospel. I want to give you three challenges this morning to help you fulfill your purpose. You see, rarely do we get to share about God on a large stage. We all live in what I call the small stages of our lives. We all have opportunities in our individual lives to share with people. God puts you in a sphere of influence that no one else has. There's people you can talk to, people you know that no one else will be able to reach, no one else will be able to talk to. But we get this feeling of fear. 
a feeling of doubt. Will they reject me? What if they ask me a question I don't know? I want to call you to this purpose. I want to call you to something greater. I want to call all of us to fulfill the purpose we were created by sharing these examples. I want to reassure you, God's not going to abandon you in the sharing of his message. My first example is from my children. Um, If you know children, then you know God has a sense of humor. Why else would he give us tiny copies of ourselves to constantly uh, humble us and then also uh, remind us what it feels like for a father right, or a parent? We have this tradition in our family, and I love that Northside gives the children Bibles in the, in the safari wing, but if we're honest with ourselves, you know, the, the Bibles get left behind, the, the spines get split, they get left at the playground, they get left outside, they get forgotten, um, and that's fine. It's, it's good for kids to have a Bible. But our tradition is that when you're old enough, when you're mature enough to take care of your own things, then Stacy and I would buy our kids a Bible, right? So I think it's good to have family traditions too. I think it, it helps your children feel, to feel a sense of belonging in their family, helps them tell your family story. Well, so far, only my oldest son, Titus, has shown us enough maturity to get to this milestone. So last year at 11 years old, he got his own Bible. So he's, he's very good about keeping up with it. Um, occasionally I'll ask him where, where it is. I'll say, Titus, where's your Bible? And he knows, always knows exactly where it is. Um, and as a parent, you know, we, we talk about with him also, we talk about a lot about telling other people about God. And you wonder as a parent, how much is this is soaking into your kids? So I move forward in the future, and one day Titus asks me if he can have another Bible. And I immediately went on the offense and started grilling him. I'm like, why do you need another Bible, Titus? Where is your Bible, Titus? I thought you were old enough to take care of your own things, Titus. And my son interrupts me, in which... My kids also know I'm a huge fan of. And he says, Dad, Dad, I've got my Bible right here. And I ask, why do you need another Bible, Titus? And he calmly look, looks at me and says, I've been asking people at school about what they believe in. And I, I talked to this girl, and she said, so you go to church? And I said, of course I go to church. And she said, I wish I could go to church. My mom won't let me go to church. And, and, I, and I, so I, I said, well, can I bring you a Bible? And she said, you would bring me a Bible? And he said, of course I'll bring you a Bible. So, Dad, I, I need a Bible. I've got to give this girl a Bible at church or at school. And I sheepishly froze, and I felt like a jerk. And I said, yes, son, you can definitely have another Bible. I'm sorry for jumping to conclusions. I'm really proud of you for telling someone else about God. You see, we make it so hard. But many times God is preparing someone's heart. He's waiting for you for just the right time if we just have the bravery of an 11-year-old. My first challenge to you is to have the bravery of a child. As Paul continues in 2 Corinthians, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. And bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving. To the glory of God. Look at the simple pattern. What we believe and what we know about God. We share with other people. We believe. And so we speak. And what does God make happen? God extends his grace to more and more people. His grace changes their lives. And it glorifies God even more. But only if we speak. 
only if we tell those around us. I asked Titus not long ago if he still sees that girl the other day, because that was last year, and they're in a new school now. Um, he says, yes, he still does see her. And he told me that he had talked to her, and that she said she reads that Bible every single night. Who knows what God will do with the seed that was planted? The second story I want to encourage you with is one from my time in Japan. You see, the churches in Japan are very small. Most average, about 10, 10 people. The largest church of Christ in Japan is in Tokyo, and it has around 150 members. Last time I checked. And so I was always interested when when Stacy and I spent our time as missionaries in Japan and talking to people who had come to Christ, especially Japanese native Christians, to say, how did you come to Christ? What happened? What, What led you to do that? Because... It's, it's very difficult there. Only about 1.5% of people claim any kind of Christian faith in Japan. And so to find someone receptive to the idea and the truth of Christ is a rare thing. So and when I met a woman at one of the churches there, she wanted to tell me her story about how she came to Christ. I was very interested in this story. And she told me this story. So she lived as, as a child. She lived in a town. And there was a small church there. And there was a missionary. And he would religiously go around the town and and tell people about Christ. He would tell people about Christ. He would invite them to the church. He would invite them to the Bible studies with very little effect. But he persisted. And he would, the children would come to the yard sometimes and he would give them snacks and teach them uh, Christian songs. So when she came, this, this woman as a girl came to the church one time and she learned a song about living water. The young girl liked the song, but she's very shy. She, she didn't ever ask the preacher, the minister there, what, what it was about. She, she was too scared. And so many years this went on, and he, eventually he left and went back to the States. Um, and time passed, and that woman grew up. So 30 years later, she lives in Tokyo. And she's walking by the church there. She sees their signboard. This is kind of a thing that every church of Christ in Japan has this, this thing. They call it the kanban, which just means the signboard. And it's out in front, and it talks about usually the order of worship or what's going on. Um, this is a fun one in my memory. This is the one outside of, of Haruna, Christian Okyokai, which is the Haruna Church of Christ where we were. And there's actually a little poster in the lower left of a gospel meeting. And uh, my brother Darren Dops is here today. Who, him and Tim O'Neill and I led a gospel meeting there in Japan. Um, so back to my story. On that sign, that day for that woman, were the words to that song. The minister had posted that hymn outside and the words to the song about living water. So she walked inside the building and she asked the preacher there, she said, I, I've, I've been wondering about this song for 30 years. Can you tell me what it means to have living water? So this is, this is like every missionary's dream. You know, just people just coming in. It's like, you know, it's like a made-up story, right? And she comes in and he asks and she's like, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And he tells her and studies with her for the next year and she becomes a Christian. And she is still faithful today. Praise God. All this from a seed planted decades ago by someone who I I know was discouraged. Who would never see the fruit of that seed. And I'm reminded of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. I believe the root of the story, that story is to tell us what kind of reactions we can expect to sowing the seed. When we cast the seed, these are the kind of things we can expect. I think it's also a cautionary tale. I think it, it tells us, you know, what kind of soil are you? Are you multiplying the seed in your life or are you letting the cares of this life choke out your seed? But the challenge I have for my example speaks to the fact that the sower is sowing the seed. He knows that there's good soil out there, 
But the point for us is we don't know the hearts of the people we are speaking to. We can't judge who will have faith and who will not. I want to tell you the idea that we, we are not soil testers, we are seed sowers. And just like the missionary who sowed the seed of the gospel to a young Japanese girl in a, in a hard-packed land, I challenge us to not try to judge who will accept the word of God, but just to be obedient and sow the seed to all the people we meet. You may never see the results yourself, but God has made a promise. He has promised us that his word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent out. Will you follow your purpose and will you sow the seed? The final challenge and encouragement I want to share with you today as I close is one on a bigger scale. We get the opportunity every day to share on a small scale. And we can sow the seed to everyone we meet. But every once in a while, we have the chance to glorify God on a grander scale. He gives us a bigger stage. He allows us the opportunity to boldly glorify Him in front of the world. You may have seen this before, but this past year, three young women from the OU softball team had this opportunity. Grace Lyons, Jada Coleman, and Alyssa Brito, and their coach Patty Gasso were given the opportunity on June 6th of 2023, two days before they won the College Softball World Series. They were interviewed on national TV by ESPN. I want to share their clip, and, and even though it's a little bit long, I think you'll be as encouraged as I am by the courage and the boldness that these women are using to fulfill their purpose. Let's watch as they answer the question of how do they keep the joy in their lives through the pressure. You talk about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious. It's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that could very easily set in? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. And um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only, the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000% agree with Grace Lyons. Um, I went through that my freshman year. I I was so happy to win the college. I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled and I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world, if we do lose, yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here and we want to win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up. And you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And 
Um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for, and that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, we're, this isn't our home, and I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our Father, and I'm so excited about that. And, yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home, and um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our, our King. So, Patty, uh, you've got to keep your eye on the prize and, and really work with these players on, on their skill set, but I think from a human nature perspective, it's easier to learn from failure and from losing than it is from winning. How do you try to stay on top of these players and keep them improving throughout the year when there is that kind of challenge within there? I think they just gave you the answer. So I, again, they're unapologetic about the way they feel and what they believe. And that makes my job easier because I'm with them in that. So like we're we're not looking at what could happen or oh the pressure there is pressure right but these guys have embraced it they love it they love the big moments because the big moments are the moments that they'll never forget and how it happened and when we come back 10 years from now they're going to laugh and remember some fun times and so forth but uh they just don't break because they have the right mentality about the way they play the game. Wow. I want to say, wow. Do you think the ESPN reporter regretted asking those girls that question that day? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, when I saw this clip, I was blown away by the boldness of these women. The conviction and the joy as they shared that on national television. It was like, as I watched each one, each one would say something and the next one would knock it out of the park even further, would say it even better. And then when the coach comes up, she has a chance in in the tenor of today's society and the pressure we have on public figures to downplay that and talk about something else, and she just backs them right up. I want to say praise God and praise the Creator for these women and their boldness and their joy. These girls went on to win the college series, college world series. But I would go so far as to say that when they reflect back on their time together, when they look back in the 10 years, like she said, what what they're going to remember, the victory that they're going to remember is I don't think it's going to be the college world series. I think it's going to be this interview. I think this is the thing they're going to remember and have pride in and be thankful that they took the opportunity that God gave them to fulfill their purpose. My final challenge to you is when God provides you with the biggest stages to take every opportunity to glorify him. 
And so we close our lesson today with one question. Will we fulfill our purpose? It's that simple. If you're seeking for fulfillment, if you're having something lacking in your life, you ask, ask yourself, does my life glorify God and do I tell people about Jesus because of him? To the young people, there's a million people out there on TikTok. There's a million people on the internet who are telling you a message to follow your heart, to tell the world who you are, and to seek after your own happiness. And I'm telling you today that they're dead wrong. There are hundreds of people with shiny lives on Instagram, with huge followings, that are seeking their own happiness with all their heart, that are deeply sad, unfulfilled, and they're miserable inside. Because they don't know or won't recognize that what we're here to do is to glorify God and to tell people about Jesus Christ. It's so simple that when you figure it out, it's like living water for your soul. It refreshes your inner being. We are chosen by God. When you accept the free gift of grace, when you obey Christ and put him on in baptism, you become part of a chosen people. And if you haven't made that choice, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have the joy of the Lord, these girls we're talking about, then I ask you today to find me after service. Go to the back and talk to one of our elders. Don't go another day without the joy of the Lord. I invite you to come now as we stand, as we sing.